I realised I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. It's when those two factors converge that porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. So I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming from. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because 16, 17 years ago, nobody was talking about this. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Hello, everybody. I'm Cindy Gallup. I'm the founder and CEO of Make Love Not Porn. We are pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And I'm delighted to be here. Welcome to Sylvia and me. Cindy, I am so glad that we could finally get together. Um, And as you said, you're the founder of Make Love Not Porn. And that is such an important little title there, a large title that means so much because especially in, in, in the States, we don't talk about sex a lot. Um, I remember when HBO first came out and that's going way back in the seventies, you got a bundle HBO, then you got Disney and a porn channel and you couldn't get rid of the porn channel because it was a package. Um, I just never understood that. And it's very difficult sometimes for people, not sometimes for people to talk about sex. Uh, So we're going to talk about sex that is not porn and kind of give the difference because so many people, all they do is since we're so silent about it, you know, where do they get it from? And you did a TED talk back in 2009. You gave a four-minute talk, which they, they said that one of the events most talked about those four minutes. And I remember watching it and you saying, for anyone who doesn't want to hear anything nasty or bad, I forget what wording, cover your ears. I'll raise my hand when it's done. And you talked about something very specific that women really don't like, but guys think that we do because they've seen it on porn. Can you just tell me how this concept came up and why it was so important to you? Sure. So um, I have a business that is a complete and total accident because I never consciously and intentionally set out to do anything that I very bizarrely find myself doing now. So Make Love Not Porn came about because I date younger men. They tend to be in their 20s. And I will just contextualize that for our audience by saying that I am somebody who has never, ever wanted to be married. I have never wanted children. Very happy that I always knew that as opposed to finding out the hard way by having them. Totally. Uh, I adore being single. I'm not a relationship person. I cannot wait to die alone. And I date younger men casually and recreationally for sex. And I'm deliberately very public about all of that because 
we don't have enough role models in our society for women and for men, by the way, that demonstrate you can live your life very differently to the way that you're expected to and still be amazingly happy. And I'm one of the happiest people I know. So um, there I was dating younger men about 16, 17 years ago now, when I began realizing that I was encountering through dating younger men, very intimately and personally, what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual convergence because most people think it's only one thing. I realized I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. It's when those two factors converge that porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. So I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming from. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because 16, 17 years ago, nobody was talking about this. Nobody was writing about this. This was me in isolation as a naturally action-oriented person going, I'm going to do something about this. (laughs) So um, nearly 15 years ago now, I put up on No Money a tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original iteration was just words. The construct was porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world. Here's what really happens in the real world. I launched at TED, um, as you described. Um, I became the only TED speaker to say the words, come on my face on the TED stage. Which which you said when you you said, cover your ears. Yeah, in case don't hear this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We want you to know that women do not like. Well, well, um, actually, let let me just correct you on that, Sylvia. Go ahead. Because, you know, as I've been saying for 15 years, the issue isn't porn. The issue is that we don't talk about sex. Right. Um, Exactly. The fact of the matter matter is, and in fact, that original makelovenotporn.com made it clear. um, um, The porn world versus real world version of that was porn world is all men love coming on women's faces. All women love having the faces come (laughs) on. And real world was some women like this, some don't. Some men like doing this, some men don't either. The key thing is always ask your partner before you spring it on them suddenly. <laughs> so that, that was the message. So, um, so basically, um, my talk went viral and it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Thousands of people wrote to me from all around the world young and old, male and female, straight and gay, pouring their hearts out, telling me things about their sex lives and their porn watching habits they'd never told anyone before. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so I then went, oh my God, I now have a personal responsibility. I have to take Make Love Not Porn forwards in a way that would make it much more far reaching, helpful and effective. And so I turned it into a business designed to do good and make money simultaneously, which is what I believe the future of all business should be, by the way. So um, today, um, Make Love Not Porn is the world's first and only user-generated, 100% human-curated social sex video sharing platform. 
So we're kind of what Facebook would be if Facebook allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which clearly does not. <clears throat> the way to think about us is, if porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the badly needed documentary. We are a unique window onto the funny, messy, loving, wonderful sex we all have in the real world. And what we're doing is we are socializing, normalizing, and destigmatizing sex, bringing it out of the shadows into the sunlight to promote consent, communication, good sexual values and behavior. We are literally sex education through real world demonstration. And very importantly, Sylvia, um, I designed Make Love Not Porn through the female lens to be the safest place on the internet. Because I designed it around what everybody else should have, nobody else did, human curation. There is no self-publishing of anything on Make Love Not Porn. Our curators watch every frame of every video from beginning to end before we approve or reject and we publish it. No one else does that. We review every post on every member profile. And by the way, on Make Love Not Porn, your posts can be as safe work or not safe work as you like, but we review them. We approve or reject, we publish them. No one else does that. We review every comment on every video before we approve or reject and publish. No one else does that. We can vouch for every single piece of content on our platform in a way that nobody else can. And by the way, Sylvia, we're tiny bootstrapping, have no money, and we've human curated everything 11 years. Imagine what Facebook, Instagram, TikTok could do with their billions if they chose to. Safety on the internet is not a matter of viability, it's a matter of wealth. And, and, and the last thing I'll say about Make Love Horn is that I foresaw the crater economy 14 years ago, and I concepted our business model to democratize access to income. So we have a revenue share business model. Our members pay to subscribe, rent, and stream social sex videos. Half the income goes to our contributors, whom we call our Make Love Not Porn Stars. I love it because it's, it's, it's real. As you said, you guys look at everything before it's put out. It's curated by real people. It's not porn. It's not sex workers doing a movie or a play or anything else. No, no, exactly. And I'll tell you what's really important about that, Sylvia. You know, as a unique business, we have a unique capability. Make Love Not Porn has the power to change people's sexual attitudes and behavior for the better in a way that nothing else can. So over the past 11 years, we've taught numerous young people that porn is not sex in the real world. We've saved countless marriages and relationships. You know, couples tell us our videos have inspired communications breakthroughs, expanded their sexual horizons. Um, we hear um, from parents that, first of all, you know, being members of Make Love Not Porn made them feel able to be more open and educate their children about sex. But also I'm delighted to report that many parents are buying their 18 and over children subscriptions to Make Love Not Porn because they tell us, I want my kids to see what happy, healthy, loving sex relations look like. And what's, what's really amazing is, as with any disruptive technology, use cases emerge that the founder never dreamt of. So I was blown away when we began hearing from survivors of rape sexual assault, sexual abuse, and we hear from female, male, trans, non-binary survivors, 
they tell us that make love not porn help them reclaim their bodies. We help them feel able to be sexual again in a situation where porn is too triggering. And it's not just the people who watch our videos. We have a number of Make Love Not Porn stars who tell us that socially sharing themselves sexually in a completely safe and trustworthy space has helped them process and heal from sexual trauma. And, you know, I never envisaged that when I came up with this idea. Safe communication. Um, I know that uh, a couple of years ago, Nick Kristoff had written an article about Pornhub um, and what they were doing and monetizing on on rape victims, sexually assaulted victims. And what you're doing is, is giving people a sense of safety, of knowledge, and how to communicate. And communication is key. I know that one of your, someone had asked you what one of your favorite movies um, is because movies, of course, you know, with the love scenes and they, you know, they jump right over you know, everything and all of a sudden everything is hunky dory. Um, and your movie is Friends with Benefits with uh, Justin Timberlake. And I had never heard of it and I watched it. And you're right because they right. have fun, you know, yeah. they talk. Which is which is such a hindrance. There's usually a wall built that we're not supposed to talk, and women especially mm. are not supposed to mm. tell anyone, any man, what they're supposed to, what they like, or mm. any woman. They're, God forbid, we really say what we what we feel, and how do we know when society tells us that really we're supposed to meet someone, get married? maybe work, maybe not, raise a family. And what you're doing, it's not just on the sexual context, but also on the context of you do not have to get married. Not everyone wants to be married. Not everyone wants children. And isn't it a great thing, uh, a, a benefit to children who are born to parents who don't want children? Um, yep. no, just... and, and actually, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry to oh, jump ahead. in there, but, but, but I was just going to say, Sylvia, that, you know, what's fascinating about Make Love Not Porn is that, you know, um, we exist to celebrate the full glorious spectrum of human sexuality, that, that people are absolutely, you know, living in the real world. And so what that means is that Make Love Not Porn isn't just a window onto how we're all having sex. Right. Um, it, it is also a fascinating window onto how people negotiate their relationships and marriages in the real world. And so, um, you know, we showcase many different models of how you do that. So, so, for example, at one end of the spectrum is we have a Make Love Not Porn star, a woman, who, and, and we know this because, I mean, our site is entirely user-generated, but, but we encourage Make Love Not Porn stars to, in their free-to-access intro videos, to contextualize their real-world sex. And so, you know, that this woman shares that she and her husband have an agreement. Once a year, she is allowed to meet up with her high school sweetheart and shag his brains out in a motel room. <laughs> now, well, we, we assume this is a reciprocal arrangement, the husband will do the same thing, but we don't know because she is the one who shares videos on Make Love Not Porn, and these are the videos she shares of, of her and her high school sweetheart having a wonderful time in a motel room. 
And that's really interesting because that is, in a way, um, it's a low-stakes way of approaching something a lot of people think about, which is, you know, do we or don't we want to open up our marriage? You know, and uh, and so that's a very, um, you know, um, carefully delineated way of kind of testing the waters on that. Then at the other end of the spectrum, we have polyamorous, make love, not porn stars. But But again, what is wonderful about those videos is... On Make Love Not Porn, you see the real world empathy, sensitivity, negotiation that goes into a threesome. You know, it's not the porn version of, oh, you're here, we're here, whoopee! It it is literally, um, you know, conversation. It's making sure everybody's comfortable with what's happening. It's it's working up to it, you know, in a very moving way. And in fact, I'll, I'll tell you what we found especially fascinating. So... I designed Make Love Not Porn to be fully diverse and inclusive, and we are. Our members now Make Love Not Porn stars range in age from 18 to 80, literally, you know, are, you know, um, male, female, trans, non-binary, straight, LGBTQ, or races, ethnicities. But in the 11 years we've operated as a business, we've observed that Make Love Not Porn is especially a revelation to men. More men send us grateful emails, leave appreciative comments than anybody else because we are something utterly unique that men will find nowhere else on the internet, which is a safe space where men can be and watch other men being open, emotional, and vulnerable around sex. You would not believe, Sylvia, the number of men who write to us, this happens regularly, and say, I just watched my first video, Make Love Not Porn, and afterwards I cried. I've said for years, I wish society understood the opposite of what it thinks is true. Women enjoy sex just as much as men, and men are just as romantic as women. Yet neither gender is allowed to openly celebrate either fact. We'd be so much better off if they were. I picked up a wonderful exchange on Twitter last year between two men. The first man had tweeted, this is obviously a joke, he tweeted, hey guys, I've got this really weird fetish. I've got this kink where I want to watch porn where people are honest, loving, loyal, decent, and really like each other. Hit me up with your hottest links, please. And another man replied and said, there's this website called Make Love Not Porn where you can watch real couples making love. He said, I watched a video where the woman said to her man while they're making love, I love you. He said, sincerely, I cried when I heard that. Make love not porn is one of the solutions to toxic masculinity. Yes, it is. Because we all, you know, again, we're brought up, the male is the strong person and they're the leaders and they're the what they're as just as naive because where are they getting their education on sex and making love? Because there's a difference between, you know, making passionate love and having fun and sex and romping around. But people don't understand that. And men, where are they getting it from? They're certainly not getting it from their from their parents. They're not getting it from a school because, God forbid, a school is allowed to teach anything about anyone's body. They're not getting it from their from their physicians because physicians don't talk to men about their private lives or anything like that. You know, women are talked about a little bit more because we're supposed to get married, have 
children and, and so on and so forth. So maybe we're asked a little bit more than a man. But where is a male supposed to get his information? Certainly doesn't want to talk to his mother. I know that. I have two boys. They really don't want to talk to mommy. It goes to what a service you're providing. And I know that at one point you, and I'm sure this is still something, a goal to raise enough money to turn the website into the Khan Academy of Sex Education. Uh, No, absolutely, Sylvia, because I think it's important that our listeners understand that the one thing I didn't realize when I embarked on this venture was that I and my tiny team would fight an enormous battle every single day, um, not even to grow Make Love Not Porn, but to even keep it alive. Mm-hmm. Basically because every piece of business infrastructure, any other tech startup can just take for granted, we can't, the small print always says no adult content. And that's all pervasive. Can't get banked, you know, can't get funded, can't put payments in place, banned from advertising and promoting ourselves on social media, et cetera, et cetera. And so I've managed to keep Make Love Not Porn operational for 11 years on just $3 million of funding from one investor and all my own savings in my retirement fund, by the way. And so I am now working to raise a serious round of funding because it's about time. Um, and because I believe the world is now at the point where people finally get what I'm doing. Because what, what I was the very first person to identify as a global social issue 15 years ago, now you can't f- turn around without falling over a p- media headline. So, um, so, so as you say, um, you, you know, Silver, to explain to our listeners, um, I'm, I'm raising $17.4 million to do two things. Um, a, to scale, make love, not porn, the core business, because... You know, what you see on the website right now is only half my vision. I've never been able to afford my own CTO, my own in-house development team, etc. So there's lots to build there. But B, to build something that parents and teachers have been asking me for since day one of Make Love Not Porn. And so this is not finger in the wind stuff. This is not me going, oh, I think this will fly. You know, this is what the world is crying out for. I want to build the zero to 18 and beyond version, Make Love Not Porn dot academy. And by the way, to our listeners, if you go to the URL, makelovenotporn.academy, you will see my vision laid out there. But basically, um, I want to build Make Love Not Porn Academy on the same principles as makelovenotporn.tv. User-generated, crowdsourced, curated revenue share. Because I'm not about reinventing the wheel. This is an aggregation hub. I want to build the go-to global hub for the best of the world's sex education content. So the way it works is when I can raise the funding, we'll build a platform for the academy and we will then invite sex educators all around the world to share with us their own content, coursework materials, books, videos, comic strips, whatever it may be. And I use the term educator very broadly because I include sexual health and wellness experts, therapists, anybody informing and educating in this entire area. Now, now again, we will curate because at the heart of everything we do lies human curation. Human eyes will vet every piece of content to make sure that it's, you know, what we endorse and it's safe on, on, on the academy. And we will then publish it segmented by age appropriateness. So if you're a parent freaking out going, 
oh my god, my six-year-old just asked this. What do I say? You know, <laughs> here's where you can go to find entirely age-appropriate tools and content to be able to have that conversation with a six-year-old. If you're a teacher of the class of 14-year-olds, here are your age-appropriate teaching materials. If you're an adult, access all areas. Adults are equally desperate for all of this. But the important thing, Sylvia, is the academy will be where children and young people can access sex education without parental teacher gatekeeping. And here's why that's important. So I have a friend who's a mother. And as you have to these days, she monitors her kids' browsing history. And this happened a few years ago. Her son was eight years old. And she saw, to her horror, that on the family computer, he had Googled sex for children. So she freaked out, but did the right thing, you know, stayed calm, sat him down. Darling, you know, I see you are searching for this. Can you just talk me through why? And this anecdote is adorable and horrifying in equal measure because her son wanted to learn about sex. He was a child. He knew he was a child. He wanted to learn about sex in a child-appropriate way. He sweetly, innocently Googled sex for children. You can imagine what came back. He was utterly traumatized. And so the academy will be where an eight-year-old boy can enter his age, and we will only serve him age-appropriate sex education content. Now, some of this will be free to access, per that example, but we'll also charge to subscribe, download, bulk buy if you're a school. You know, there are different revenue streams, different use cases. And we will then split the income 50-50 with its creators, the educators, the same way we currently do with our Make Love Not Porn Stars. Because I have to tell you, Sylvia, right now, no one goes into sex education to make money. I have friends all around the world who are brilliant sex educators. They face all the same problems I do. Their content gets blocked on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Their accounts get deleted. They're banned from advertising. I want to change that because that's enormously valuable work. And I have three other agenda items with the Academy. The first is when I build an educational expansion, I reframe Make Love Not Porn. I give us social legitimacy. The second agenda item is, you know, because we are banned from promoting advertising ourselves anyway, I designed the Academy to be a very effective growth engine for the core business. Because when you're 18 and over, you can graduate to sex education for real world demonstration. We can send all the parents, teachers, adults straight there. And the third item is because I want to prove concept. And what I mean by that is, for years people have said to me, oh, Cindy, you should go to schools. You know, make that point to be on the curriculum. And I've gone, no, I shouldn't, because anyone trying to bring sex ed into schools comes up against the parent-teacher association, moral panic. <laughs> Please. But, 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 but here's the thing, Sylvia. The people keeping sex ed out of schools don't know what it'd be like if they allowed it in. They just know it'd be really bad. In the heads, they have this abstract concept of Sodom and Gomorrah will ensue. When I build and launch the academy, and I can show you in one place, because this doesn't exist anywhere else at the moment, the best of the world's sex education content, and you can see for yourself at a glance how brilliant, informative, educational, healthy, and non-threatening it is, and you can pick and choose by age appropriateness and sensibility, because we will have Christian sex education, Jewish sex education, Muslim sex education. That is when I can get sex ed in schools. And in fact, one investor said to me, 
Cindy, the moment 100 schools sign on to the academy, looking at a completely different value proposition. So that's what I'm raising funding to do. Okay. Just how, just think about how healthy, healthier people would be in their relationships, in, 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 their, in their relationships with their spouses, in their relationships with their friends, in their relationships with themselves. It's, it's almost the core to so much, you know, giving respect and conversation. It's not just the, the um, methodology of having sex. There's so much more that goes into it that people don't understand. It's not boom, 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 boom. There's, there's communication. There's yourself you're putting in there. There's humor. There's so much that you put in that people just, well, I was going to say they dismiss, but they can't dismiss it if they don't know about it. No, no, exactly. And I'll tell you another um, fascinating thing about Make Love Porn, because honestly, Sylvia, you know, um, uh, you will see on Make Love Porn things that you, you won't see anywhere else on the Internet. Right. So, again, because we are a window onto sex in the real world, you know, um, we are a window onto how people manage their sexuality and their sex lives through real world health conditions. So we have a number of menopausal Make Love Not Porn stars who talk very openly about the impact the menopause has had on their sexuality, their sex lives, how they manage that, um, you know, with their partners. We have people with, you know, chronic health conditions, chronic pain, you know, how they manage that. Um, we have a Make Love Not Porn star who has just had a full hysterectomy and she's sharing her journey back to herself back to her sexuality in the videos she shares. You know, we have cancer survivors. You know, we, we just have an amazing spectrum of videos that can be inspiration and education to the many millions of other people going through exactly the same thing. And you won't see that anywhere else on the internet. No, and not only that, but you're talking about instances in life that are so frequent and are so unknown. There's so much disinformation because, again, it's not something that's talked about. Just mm. menopause alone, yes, mm. it's starting to be talked about um, more than it was before, but it's still not. It's still not embraced the way mm. it really should no, be no, because no, no, it's it's a, it's a great part of being a woman. Mm. But, you know, the old adage is, you know, you're done. Well, you're not done. Mm. Been, I mean, you come alive in so many other ways. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's fantastic because you don't find that anyplace else. Mm. Mm. So kudos for that. Um, I think what you started just by accident is something that is is needed and people don't understand that you know in days where uh, in today's world where we're banning books uh that ha have that that don't say anything but give children um a window into life into the fact that they're not alone on certain things i mean they're taking out books that are they they have nothing to do with porn or sex or anything but mm. oh, no, are, it's, no it's it's, very, it's scary Basically, Sylvia, we are literally going backwards as a society. Yes. You know, I, yes. Mean, I mean, you know, if you think about, um, 
you know, I mean, things like, I mean, for example, movies in the 70s were way franker about sex and and, and displayed in really wonderful ways compared to movies now. You know, um, as I said, you know, make love not porn, any sex dedication is censored on every single social platform. Um, and and, and just, just, just so our listeners know, there's a real gender double standard at play. When I mentioned earlier that we are banned from advertising, it's not just us and it's not just sex related companies. Oh, any wow. female lens, sexual health and wellness venture, menopause ventures can't advertise, menstruation can't, you know, fertility can't. But in the meantime, Male sexual health not an issue, which is why you will see erectile dysfunction solutions ads everywhere you go. It's it's fundamentally biased, and I and many other female founders are working to change all of that because we are staring down a very unhealthy future. We are literally going backwards. Literally, you're kidding. Do you remember when Viagra first came out? It was actually covered by insurance for a short period of time, whereas birth control was not. Yep. It's the most yep. amazing thing yep. ever. Do, um, uh, do, do you know, I was interviewed um, for a documentary about Viagra. This is a couple of years ago. I was in, um, and it's on the Discovery Channel. It's called The Little Blue Pill. Um, and, and actually, I really must. Um, I haven't watched it. I should I should see whether or not I ended on the, up on the cutting room floor. Okay. Because the director came to my apartment, you know, with the crew to interview me. And I basically said to him, you know, if everybody watched Make Love Not Porn and if everybody understood the power of great communication and what Making Love Not Porn is really like, we would not need Viagra. The point is, you can have an equally good time whether or not there is an erection there because boy, oh boy, all the other ways you can enjoy yourselves and each other. You know, and, and so if everyone was educated much more on that, you would not need Viagra. There's something else that I wanted to uh, to talk about. A few months ago, I think it's 10 months ago, I could be a little wrong. You put out a short. It was, I can't wait to die alone. What's underneath Cindy Gallop? And that and the TED Talk, tell us a little bit about it because I thought it was fantastic. Sure. Thank you. So um, that was for Style Like You, which is a brand that was started by a wonderful mother-daughter duo, Elisa and Lily, whom I've known for a very long time. And so they have this interview series called What's Underneath, where, you know, the concept is that, um, you know, the camera is trained on the interviewee. Um, they sit behind the camera and you sit in a stool in front of them and they ask you a question. As you answer each question, you remove an item of clothing. The idea being that you metaphorically and literally strip down to what's underneath. And so they asked me to do this as part of, um, um, they do this interview series with different segments. You know, they have a couple's version. In my case, um, they were doing a series of these interviews with older people. And I was very happy to participate. So I basically, you know, at the age of, this was, um, I think this was published early last year. So I was 62. I'm 63 now. And so at the age of 62, I basically took all my clothes off down to my underwear um, and just talked about, you know, how I like to live my life and make love mm -hmm. not porn and so on. And I have to say, I was blown away by the response to that video because when you look at the comments on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, and by the way, I'm not on TikTok, but I went viral on TikTok with that. <laughs> every time, every time they post one of my clips from the interview series, it gets millions of views, thousands of comments. 
Um, I was really blown away by the response, um, especially, by the way, from younger people, and this is young women, but also men, who said, I've been dying to see an older female role model like this. And, and in fact, um, there was an especially moving comment on, on the video on Instagram where a woman said, imagine if we had all grown up seeing and hearing women live and talk like this. Think how very different our lives will be now. Yes. So, yes. so, so yeah, I mean, you know, that, that, that interview um, had a phenomenal impact and I'm so glad that it did. Well, it was, it was exceedingly freeing. And some of the time we have left, I know that you um, you write a lot, you have a lot of blogs, you answer questions from people, um, you know, some silly, some not. Um, one of the things, the 10 hotel requirements for women. Now, you have a lot of the things in there that that I would love to see and, you know, a powerful hairdryer being able to find the hairdryer, um, not only a place to work, but finding um, the electrical outlets and labeling the toiletries. Um, but one of the things you didn't have on there that's one of my biggest things is having a mirror that you could actually see and you're not in the dark. No matter how expensive, how hoity-toity a, a hotel is, for some reason, they think the ambiance, as a woman's putting her makeup on or even looking to get something out of her eye, should be dark. Yep. No, 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 you're absolutely right. And I'll just explain for our listeners that, so I have a substack called Dear Cindy, where you can basically ask me anything you like. And each week I answer one question, somebody who has asked me about my favorite hotels. And so I seize the opportunity to list out my bugbears as a woman business traveler over the years. And you're absolutely right, Sylvia. You know, some, somewhere there's got to be a hotel chain that wants to hear from us exactly what we would love in, in you know, a hotel room designed specifically for women. And then honestly, that hotel chain will have our loyalty wherever it is all around the world because give, give us all of that and we are yours for life. The last thing that I think is absolutely wonderful is that you celebrate birthdays. Oh my gosh. I absolutely, yes. yes, my birthdays. <laughs> Um, so, and people don't understand that. And no, it's, it's not a question, you know, everyone gets older. We don't have to get old. As long as we're healthy, we don't have to get old. But getting older is not a bad thing. For my no. 60th, a number of years ago, I threw myself a surprise party. Fantastic. No, but no, because what I would say, Silva, is the, old, the older you get, the better life gets. You know, that's absolutely the case. And I believe every birthday should be celebrated publicly. And, and, and again, for the benefit of our listeners, I'll just explain that I operate the complete opposite of the usual sort of countering ageism approach, which is, oh, age is just a number. I go, your age is a very special number. Yes, it is. Your, your age is the sum total of you. Your age is the sum total of everything you've lived to date, all of your experience, all of your expertise, your age is the number that represents your value. And so I coined the hashtag, say your age. I say my age as often as possible. I'm 63. I shout it from the rooftops. Every birthday, I create a hashtag, Cindy63. It'll be Cindy64 on February 1. And so I encourage everybody 
to go loud and proud and say your age. I'm 72. <laughs> fantastic. I, I think it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people, you know, there's, it gets so where if you can't celebrate it, um, as I said, you know, being healthy and to me, it, it's, it's the attitude. And yes, I've said age is just a number, but in that, it's the fact that we don't have to get old just because we're getting older. Ooh. As you said, celebrate. Yeah. Celebrate <laughs> where, where we've come. And you never know what the next day is going to bring. So, Exactly. Yeah. I say to my industry, you know, um, that they are spectacularly failing to realize a very important truth, which is that we don't aspire to be young. Young people aspire to be us. Because at this age, you don't give a shit. You know, oh. at, this age, at this age, you know what really matters, you know, in relationships, in life, in friendships. At this age, you have your own sense of personal style, your own sense of home style. You know, you have more disposable income for a lot of people. And, you know, um, that is enormously aspirational. And so I say to brands and marketers and, and advertising agencies, you know, you want to reinvent aspirational culture around us and hold us up as aspirational young people. And that's how you sell whatever product, because the young people will do what they see us doing because we're incredibly aspirational to them. And so the other hashtag I coined, and this was in response to Evian, have a very annoying hash, um, end, end line, which is live young. And so I coined the hashtag live older because that's where the fun is. Cindy. Um, other than Substack, where can people find out more about you? Sure. So um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cindy Gallup and Make Love Not Porn. Do follow me and my business at both. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. So do follow me there. Um, on Facebook, it's Cindy.Gallup and our Facebook page is MLNPTV. And um, yep, do sign up to my Substack, which I'd love you to do, obviously. You can find our Make Love Not Porn blog on Medium. Cindy, this has been, it's been fantastic. It's been educational. It's been fun. So I thank you so much for uh, joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure, Sylvia. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. This has been a Life of Prey production.